All right, good morning. Where's Tyler at? Where'd he go? Dude, okay, so I didn't get a chance to get your permission to do this, so forgive me, okay? We, we have, first off, we have an incredible Sunday school class. We just, I mean, we were up there with the young, well, we're kind of still young married, you know? Well, we're not, but they are. And we just have this, I mean, we have some great discussion. We laugh. Sometimes we cry. It's an incredible group of young people, and we're just so blessed. And we were sharing this morning about different things, and, and the topic, topic of quiet times came up. And Tyler was sharing what, the times he feels closest to God in what he calls his quiet time. And he has this room, he said, where the kids don't go. It's just that they, they've not been forbidden to go. They just don't go. And he goes in there, and his words were, I just sing my guts out to God. What you saw this morning is not a performance. It's a lifestyle. And that just blesses me so much. I know we've got young people of that quality. Amen. Powerful. So thank you, brother, for blessing us so much. It was just just incredible, just incredible. Well, listen, we're just really, really glad you're here today. And we're, again, I keep saying we're smack dab in the middle of this series. And you're going, how can we be in the middle every single week? Well, really, this is like command number five. So we really are kind of right smack dab in the middle of our series on the Ten Commandments. And we're bringing this ancient truth up into our lives. And, and here's the deal. And it's kind of cool. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there and I started like... As soon as we're done here, I start thinking about next week. I'm going, honor your mother and your father that your days may be long on the earth. I can cover that in about three minutes, God. What are we going to talk about Sunday morning? To the point where Wednesday night, I asked the church, I, you know, the, the church on Wednesday night crowd, I said, hey, would y'all guys mind praying about what I'm supposed to say Sunday morning? Because it's really not, it doesn't seem like it'd be a whole lot there. And, and I think I told Judy, I told Judy to do the Friday or Saturday, I go, you know, I'm really not sure what, what God wants to say. And then like last night, last night it just came alive and it exploded in my heart and in my mind. And I'm glad to report to you, I really believe that God has given us something to really share this morning. I pray, in fact, I have prayed, I have prayed um, that, that God would use me to speak his truth but that your hearts would be open and receptive to what God wants to say today in our lives. So I really, really pray that. So how many of you guys have ever been lost before? Anybody really been? Now, not spiritually. I'm like talking about, you know, like physically lost. You know, there's like three kinds of lost, you know. There's the lost where you've never been that way before, you know, and you're lost because you've never been that way before. I have no idea where I am. And then there's that lost where it's kind of like accidental lost. And you kind of like miss a turn, you know. I, I we went riding one time a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Tim Darty and I used to ride bikes together, and uh, he he he. I think he was seeking revenge because one day I took him out by Glen Jones Lake on a cold, misty morning, and he he still says I really didn't like you that day. And I think for revenge, he took me to Stone Fort. And we parked our cars there, and we rode out on Dyke, uh, Dykesburg Road, I think it is, it's called. It starts out with a really tall hill, you know, and over the river and through the woods. And I really didn't like Tim Darty that day. In fact, I'm not sure I ever forgave him. Uh, really. But so anyway, so, so we were looking for, for Burden Falls, which we never found, me and Judy was. And so I said, I'm going to turn on Dykesburg Road, you know, because I've been there. I know where I'm going. And so I turned, and it wasn't long before I'm going... I really don't know where I am. In fact, Rod Wallace calls on the phone. And he goes, dude, I said, dude, I think I'm lost. 
you know, the GPS was going, you've got to be kidding me. You know, like, you know, no, no signal hardly. I'm obviously on rod, but not much signal. No GPS. Eventually, by the way, we did find Highway 13. And we found our way. But there's that kind of loss where you miss a turn, where you think you know where you're going, but you don't really know. And then there's the kind of lost where, you know, you just won't ask direction. You kind of do your thing, you know. You kind of say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm driving, honey, I think we're lost. No, we're not lost. I know exactly where we are. Can you men ring a bell with that, you know? You know, I know exactly where I'm going. Well, you know, that's kind of true spiritually. There's, there's that spiritual application. You know, sometimes we get lost and, and we really don't know because we've never been in that part of God's relationship with God that way and our fellowship with God that way. It's a new journey for us. And, and sometimes we miss a turn. God does a crazy Ivan, and that's where that term comes from back in the Cold War days when a Russian submarine captain, to see if an American was falling, would suddenly go left or right. And, and then the sonar would pick him up because he's not in the, uh, in the turbulence of, of the props. They call it crazy Ivan. So sometimes God does crazy Ivans and does this or does that. And, and we kind of like, God, what are you doing? You know? But then there's that time we kind of like do our own thing. And God's very clear about what he's saying, but we don't want to listen. And I really think that's where I am this morning with us in this message today because I really think the reason I even wrestled with uh, Exodus 20.12 is because we've kind of written it off. We've kind of written it off. Honor your mother and your father that your days may be long upon the earth. And here we are again, number five, and it's really a lot bigger than it seems. And so today we want to talk about how we got where we are and how can we get home. How we got where we are and how we can get home. Now, I want to start with that word, that word honor. That word honor. It's a big word. It's kind of like what you, what you might think. It means to, to respect um, for what a person stands for and to respect what they taught. Now, now to the Jew, now understand to the Hebrew people, this is like before the synagogue thing was going on. I mean, they're, like, they're not too long out of Egypt. So there wasn't a lot of organization there. They didn't have all the, the teaching structure. There was no you know, Jewish Hebrew religious instruction going on. You kind of had God and you had the people and you had moms and dads. And so the reason this was so important to them was it's because it's up to mom and dad to pass on the teachings of God, which, by the way, is exactly how it ought to be today. And so God was commanding, because this is so hugely important, because if mom and dad didn't get the job done, it didn't happen. There were no paid holy guys. There was no Sunday school structure. There's none of that. If it didn't happen with mom and dad, it didn't happen. So God commands, God commands, right smack dab in the middle of the Ten Commandments, He commands that children honor their mom and their dad. And again, the context, the thought is, in the Hebrew, is that they would honor them, show them respect for what they stood for, but also for what they taught. And this was huge. And what I did, I, I started looking in the book of Psalms. And I found three Psalms that teach something very, very important today. And again, this is just part of the message, but you need to write these down. And mom and dad, you're going to get it real clear in a few minutes just how important this role is. And kids, you're also going to get how important this role is. You know, the first thing that, again, the, the Jewish parents would teach the kids is exactly who God is. And this was Psalm 145, 3 and 4. Now, keep in mind, the Psalm was a Jewish hymn book. 
Okay? So they would sing these hymns and this great doctrine. Listen to what one, Psalm 145, 3 and 4 says. Yahweh is great. And, and, and Tyler, that's exactly what you set me up for. Right there. How great thou art. And so, so the, the Jewish moms and dads were to teach their children just how great God is. Yahweh is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Amen? Amen? His, search, his greatness is unsearchable. Now listen, here's where it's key. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. And what we've got into our, our, our way we do business these days is that we hire a holy man, me and Brent and Dave, okay? We hire a holy man and it's our responsibility in the eyes of people, it's our responsibility to train and to teach children. It is our responsibility to train and teach children. But the greatest responsibility lies with the mom and the dad. The sermons that y'all preach at home is a whole lot more effective and important than the sermons that they might hear in a Sunday school class or even right here from this stage area. So it's just huge. And watch this. Did you see what it said? Your, one generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. Write this down in your head and your heart and on a piece of paper. We are one generation away from losing Christianity in America. One generation away. All we've got to do, listen, all we've got to do is keep doing what we are doing now, and in 20 years, Christianity will be extinct in America. All we've got to do is keep doing. If you don't believe me, ask the people where, where Chris and Kim are going in Spain. A largely Catholic country where now less than 2%, even halfway claim to be evangelical Christians. Go to France where there are far more atheistic people than there are any kind of sort of religious people. Go to England. Go to Canada. Country after country after country where parents have walked away from their responsibilities where they depend on hired holy men to do the job of parents in religious education and the country is now atheistic. We're one generation away. We must make sure, mommy and daddy, you've got to make sure that one generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. We have got to declare the greatness of God from generation to generation. And the second thing is this. The second thing is this. It's Psalm 119, 89, and 90. They also had to teach this truth. Lord, your word is forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven. Your faithfulness is for all generations. You establish the earth and it stands firm. So the second thing, as, as the word was being developed, as the word was given, these moms and dads had to teach their children the word of God. That the word of God was not just a book. It was, in fact, the word of God. And so when they heard honor, excuse me, when they heard these, these words that they are to, Lord, your word is forever, is firmly fixed, they were teaching them that God's word matters. Let me tell you something. Moms and dads, we have got to teach our children the value of the word of God. We have got to teach our children the value of the word of God. Now again, not one to step on any toes and certainly not make anyone mad. But I'm still amazed as a parent how we put higher priority on other things, particularly in the areas of sports and sometimes arts, but mainly sports. We will commit and commit, commit time and time and time to something that in 20 or 30 years really will not matter. But we do not put value on the word of God. 
So these parents had to teach their children, had to teach their children the value of the Word of God. Lord, your Word is forever. And guess what? We need to do the same thing because we are one generation away. Because when you undermine the power of the Word of God, you undermine God Himself. I mean, listen, listen. People are learning that they need something more solid than the preacher said. And something more solid than the preacher said is the Word of God. And you, yes, you do that. Listen, you do that in your lives. We'll talk about that in just a moment. You do that in your life. But you do that by sharing the Word of God with your family. You do that by sharing the Word of God with your family. You do that by believing and acting out, living out the Word of God in your own lives. So for these Jewish moms and dads, as they had the Word of God, they were teaching their kids, your Word is forever. So, so we got God is great. And your word is forever. Two key teachings. Two key teachings. And the third one is this. It comes from Psalm 100, 3 through 5. It says this. Acknowledge that Yahweh is God. In other words, acknowledge that he is God. He made us and we are his. His people. The generation of his pasture. The people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For Yahweh is good. His love is eternal. And here it is. His faithfulness endures through all generations. We've got to teach our kids to be thankful. We have raised generation. Now another generation. And perhaps a generation before that. Of a spirit of expectation. That they have something coming, that the world owes them something. Listen, one, the world owes them nothing, and God owes them nothing. I'm telling you, we are who we are, not because God owes us something, but because He was gracious enough to give us His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. When we did not deserve it, He gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. And we need to be thankful. You need to teach your kids. Listen, you need to teach your kids to be thankful for what they have. Not, don't raise a, a generation, another generation of kids who think, I've got it coming, I've got it coming. The world owes me, you owe me, the world owes me, you owe me. Train up a group of generations to understand that God gives us all and we should be thankful. God gives us all. Yeah, you know what? This is powerful. Now listen. Listen. Again, let me say it one more time. We're one generation away from losing Christianity in America. And moms and dads and, 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 grandmothers and grandfathers, we need to teach our children and grandchildren that God is great. That His Word is forever. And we should have grateful hearts, not because of what God might do for us, but what God has already done for us through Calvary, through the spilled blood of His Son. We have a huge task to do. So that word honor includes all of that. Respect what you're... And listen, we've got to get back to this. One thing I appreciate, both of my staff people, uh, David and Brent, have raised their children to respect adults. How do you know that? I've been around them. And I can tell you that. I can tell you that. They've been raised to respect adults. And that is something we have lost in America. And, and by the way, I'm, I just want to get in trouble today. You know, frankly, I'm not a fan of President Obama. I'm just not. I'm sorry. Okay? He, sta he stands for the exact opposite of what I think the Word of God stands for. However, with that said, he is still the President of the United States. And my mom and dad taught me, and the Word of God teaches, that we are sometimes respect people not because of who they are, 
but respect them because of the position they hold. I learned that in the military. There are some leaders I wouldn't have followed to the bathroom. But there are some leaders that I would follow to the ends of the earth. But by, by commission of the United States Air Force, by direction, the oath I took, I swore that I would uphold the, the Constitution and I would follow the leaders of those appointed over me. And I said, yes, sir, to the ones I wouldn't follow to the bathroom. And I said, yes, sir, to the ones that I would follow to the ends of the earth. Teacher, when your children hear you undermining the position of people, and that includes your pastors, by the way. That includes your pastors. Don't tell me they don't hear what you say at home. And you wonder why they won't hear what we got to say at church. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we need to teach our kids this honor and this respect issue. It needs to come back into our families. It needs to come back into our culture. Now, keep it in mind, keep it in mind, keep it in mind. I understand why the world doesn't get this. Because the Ten Commandments wasn't given to the world. It was given to the people of God. And if you are a people of God, if you're a person of God, if you're a person of faith, if you trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, this is yours. Teach your children honor and respect. Teach your children honor and respect. If you want them to honor you, then teach them to honor you. And, I'll give this moment, give them a reason to honor you. So, honor your father and your mother. Now, this is so huge. He goes on to this, so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, this is packed. This is just packed. Notice he says, honor your father and your mother. Now, now again, I'm not going to be the dead horse. You know, not going to be the dead horse. But this is just another picture of God's view of marriage. You don't have to look very hard to see God's picture of marriage. That marriage should be between a man and a woman. And it should be for how long? Forever. For life. For life. So we see God's view of marriage. A man and a woman and for life. And for life. We see God's view of the family. It's an American tragedy that so many children are being raised in single parent homes. And again, I said this about five weeks ago, and may I just say it again. We are all upset because of the ruling by the Supreme Court on same-sex marriage, as well we ought to be. But we also ought to be set in the low view of marriage in the church. Because of all people who ought to believe with all our hearts that marriage between a man and a woman for life, it ought to be us. And I can say, not casting any rocks, but I'm telling you, if you're in a marriage right now, I don't care if it's number 47 for you, make this marriage for life. Make this marriage for life. And understand this. Understand this. When there's a situation of a single parent home, whether it be a single mom or a single dad, we, the church, have a responsibility to step in and help that single mom and help that single dad to to mentor, to help them in the case that we have. So we see God's view of the family. I put down the ideal view of the family. Because sometimes things just aren't ideal, are they? If you're sitting here today and you're a single mom and you struggle every single day, I'd say, you'd probably go, I wish I had a different view. That's why we need to step in. The church does not need to be casting rocks. The church needs to be stepping up and helping people. Helping people. Helping people. 
I'm telling you what, God will not let this rock chugging thing go out of my life. We are way too good at judging our friends and our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me leave the judging to God. Let's be the one who reaches down like Jesus would and pick up the wounded and pick up the hurting. But here's the part that just exploded in my mind. We also see God's building of a nation. God's building of a nation. Let me read the whole verse again, and I'll pause at the appropriate time. Honor. Teach them to respect what they stand for and what they teach. Honor your mother and your father. God's view of marriage, one man, one woman. God's view of family, ideal view of family, is a husband and a wife and for a lifetime. God's building of a nation. So that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Now, normally, when we see the word you, we think singular. I would look at Judy, and I would go, how are you? And then we would go, she would go and respond, I am fine. This is not a singular you. It's a pluralistic you. It's a group you. What God is talking about, he's not talking about... A family, a person living long in the land because they didn't notice it's the land that God's going to give them. This is a nationistic view. This is the nation. Listen, a nation that teaches their children to honor mom and dad is a nation that lasts. Now let that soak into you. A nation that teaches their children to honor and mother and father to show respect is a nation that lasts. And a nation that does not teach their children honor and respect is a nation that implodes and explodes. Look at history. Look at history. I'm telling you what. Part of what's going on in America is that as we have lost respect for those in authority, as we have lost respect for mothers and fathers, as we have raised generation upon generation, part of the troubles, part of the woes of our nation is that we have not taught our kids what respect and honor means. If we want God to bless America, we need to raise a generation that shows respect and honor for those in authority, but also for those in the family. That's a good place for an amen. This, listen, this is huge. We all whine, we all complain, we all watch the news and go, what's wrong with America? What's wrong with America? What's wrong with America is we're not following the Word of God. We are not following the Word of God. And I'm telling you, as believers, as believers, as believers, God holds us accountable for following His Word. God's... God's choice for the nation of Israel was that they would live long in the land. That as a nation, they would live long in the land. But we know what happened, don't we? They turned their back on God. And every time they turned back on God, ultimately, by the way, they end up in captivity for 70 years. Now, America's not Israel. America's not Israel. But it is a country that was based on Judeo-Christian values. Judeo-Christian values. It is that. And we have watched as our country as a whole has turned us back on those Judeo-Christian values. We've watched ourselves implode and explode. Part of the answer, part of the answer is teaching our children to respect and to honor. Let me read to you some scriptures. Listen to this. This is Psalm 33. The Lord frustrates the counsel of the nations. He thwarts the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. There it is again. 
Happy is the nation, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, whose God is Yahweh, the people he has chosen to be his own possession. The Lord looks down from heaven. He observes everyone. He gazes on all the inhabitants of the earth from his dwelling place. He alone shapes their hearts. He considers all their works. A king is not saved by a large army. The answer to America's problems is not a bigger military. He goes on and says this, A warrior will not be delivered by great strength. The answer is not more and greater strength. The horse is a false hope for safety. It provides no escape by its great power. Now the Lord, now the Lord, excuse me, now the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, those who depend on his faithful love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. Once again, very simplistically, the answer to America's woes is Jesus Christ. And it isn't. And we get, I appreciate those amens. But I'm telling you, young, young people, young parents, the answer begins in your home where you teach your children. I love it. Boy, you can shoot me later on twice. I love it because he said, no kids go in this room. But, but he would hear, he would sing a song of praise to God in his home. And he would hear this. The kids clapping for their daddy outside the room. He said, sometimes they'll stick their head around the door and see this. That altar like, wow, that'll explode in your mind. That, that here's a young couple, and we got bunches of them. Here's a young couple whose, whose daddy, the husband, sings praises to God, and his kids hear it and impacts their lives. May I suggest today, Tyler, using your illustration, may I suggest today that as our, li- as our lives become songs of love for Jesus, no matter how that plays out, Ryan Hunt said in the same class, I like to sing, but no one will ever hear me. <laughs> but our lives can be songs for Jesus, however that plays out in our lives. The important part is, is that your kids know you love God, that you love God. Hugely powerful. God wants to grant nations, but it is God who grants nations. And it's nations that choose to follow God. And it begins where you're sitting today. Dwayne, are you trying to say that my one family, maybe not, it cannot change a nation, but when, when family after family after family after family, when church family after church family after church family, and communities after communities after communities, and counties after counties after counties, and state after state after state, and then a nation choose to follow God, revival can come to America. It is not too late. But it will never happen as long as we do business like we've been doing business. And that is teaching our kids respect doesn't matter. Honor doesn't matter because it bleeds right over to who? God. When you say God's word doesn't matter, it it discredits God. When you say that that worship doesn't matter, it discredits God. It undermines God. So it's just huge. Now, now how how can we play that out in our lives? I, I hope you found that hugely practical. But how do you play this out in our lives? Well, I want to take real quick... In Colossians chapter 3, and it's a, it's a parallel verse to what the Higgs boys um, preached back uh, early in the summer, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. It's a parallel verse to that. Here's what it says in Colossians 3.20. Children, 
Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, let's just pause there, because someone's, you know, someone's going to go, well, Dwayne, are you saying if my dad tells me to rob a bank, I'm supposed to do it? Well, let's just drag in Ephesians 6.1, you know. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. You're, listen, shoot me, parents, okay? But when your dad or mom tells you something that's in direct contradiction of the Word of God, okay, God's Word trumps. God's Word trumps. God's not saying if, you're, if your mom and dad instruct you to do crazy things outside the Word of God that you're supposed to do that. No, no. God's Word always trumps. It always trumps. But notice what he says. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to God. Now, if you are, and please cooperate, if you are 12 years old to 18 years old, would you raise your hand? 12 to 18. Come on, come on, come on. All hands up. Charlie, get your hand down. Oh. <laughs> okay, look around you. Look around you. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Let me put your hands down. Look at me. If, if you're 12 to 18 years old, look at me. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, in other words, you've come to a point of faith. There's a point in your life when you confessed your sins and started following Jesus Christ. You turned from your sins and you started following Jesus Christ. You are a Christ follower. And the Word of God says you are to obey your parents. Now, here's what I want you to hear. We have got to get over... That I don't like mom, and I don't like dad, and I don't like they told me to do, so I just won't do it. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You are under a new authority, and that authority is the Word of God. And the Word of God says you are to obey your mother and your father. This, this idea, this thought of, well, I don't want to obey mom and dad because it's not popular with my kids or my friends. and My friends get to do this, and I don't want to do that. The Word of God says, and you are an authority of the Word of God, that you're to obey your mother, and your father. Because this is pleasing to God. Listen, if you're old enough to make a decision to follow Jesus, you're old enough to follow Jesus. I'm telling you, we need to hear this. You students out here, and Brent, I know you do your best here. I'm just telling you, it is time that if we're old enough to say, I'm a Christ follower, live like a Christ follower. And part of that is obeying your mom and your dad. Well, my mom and dad aren't perfect. Neither were Joseph and Mary. Neither were, you remember Joseph and Mary, the Christmas story? There was a time when Jesus was 12 years old. You know, things were happening, you know, like you, you're you're, you're fixed to be a teenager, 12 years old. And he's... Kind of got left behind. You ever leave your kids at church? Gene and I did that once. You know, scarred them for life. But, but you know, Jesus got left behind. And, and they got way down the road before they realized Jesus wasn't there. And so they go back and they finally find him teaching in the, in the synagogue. And, and he's amazing people with his, with his wisdom and with his answers. And, and Mary and Joseph kind of going like, like what's up? You know, why are you here? And, and he goes, I don't understand. Didn't you realize I'd have to be about my father's business? Okay? Now, watch this. I mean, and this is in Luke chapter 2. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. Read it again. 
He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. Don't you? Jesus was kind of puzzled. Is there any student here who every once in a while you're puzzled with your mom and dad? You kind of go, I don't get it. Jesus didn't get it. So you know what he said? I'm not going to obey you because you're puzzling. No, the Bible says he went down to Nazareth and was obedient to them. My mom and dad aren't perfect. Neither was Mary and Joseph. I know better than my mom and dad. Well, Jesus really did. (laughs) It wasn't the same with him. He really did. No. See, if you're a Christ follower, we don't know a whole lot about Jesus when he was a kid, but we know a couple things. If you're a Christ follower, you should follow the example of Jesus. Let me read to you again. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. Moms have a way of remembering things. And Jesus increased in wisdom and statue and in favor with God and with people. He grew physically, he grew intellectually, and he gained favor with God and with men. And, and students, that's your example. That's your example. It's not to follow some dude down the hallway because he's cool. He, it's, not, it's not to write your own ticket in high school because you want to be the most popular kid. Not if you're a Christ follower. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, do your gig. But if you're a Jesus follower, you're to live like Christ. And when Jesus was 12, he obeyed his mom and dad. And he grew up physically, he grew up intellectually, and he found favor with God and with people. That's your gig, guys. That's it. That's it. Now, he goes on and says this. And by the way, if my house get egged, I'll find you. Just saying. I can't toilet paper because I'm in trees. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so they won't become discouraged. I told you, mom and dad, he speaks to our hearts too. There's some things we need to know. Don't exasperate. Don't, don't frustrate your children. Now, I know men don't take notes, but, but ma'am, if you're taking notes for your husband, this is what you need to write down. You know, uh, don't, uh, don't have a lack of consistency in your life. Don't have a lack of authenticity in your life. There's nothing more frustrating to a, to a believer that 12-year-old kid out there who's a believer, and really, frankly, to any kid, than to see dad say one thing and do another. To say mom, do one thing and do another. Be consistent and be real. Be real. My kids can tell you story after story after story of mess-ups in my life. I was not a, I just don't think I was a good dad. I just don't think I was. But here's one thing I'll tell you. Did your dad ever apologize? He'd go, oh yeah, he knew that really well. Yeah. And you'll never stand taller in your kids' eyes than you're willing to say, I'm sorry. There's really no excuse for, 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 that, you know, for some examples that I've set. But there's one example I'm proud of. I learned to say, I'm sorry. And some of you dads and some of your moms out there need to learn that today. Because, again, your, mom, your, kids, your kids will respect you when you're consistent and when you're real.
when you're consistent and you're real. And nothing is more frustrating to a kid than when you're not consistent and when you're not real. Now, how did, how did that play out? Well, let's look again. Now, now Jesus is like eight days old. He, you know, he's got the things done, religious things done, and they're fixing to leave town. And here's what the Bible says in Luke 2, 39. And when they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord. When they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord. One more time. When they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord. Write this down. They set the example. Mary was not perfect. Joseph was not perfect. But they set the example of God for their kids. That's what God calls us to do. He does not say, you've got to be the perfect dad because there are no perfect dads. He doesn't say, you've got to be the perfect mom because there are no perfect moms. But he does say, set the example for your kids in the area of God. Listen to this. Listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be where? You tell me. In your heart. Way back in Deuteronomy. God is speaking to moms and dads going, put this stuff in your heart. Put this stuff in your heart. Make it part of you. Again, when when I go and I eat a meal, I digest that meal and part of that meal becomes part of me. Part of me. Make God part of you. Ingest it into your life. In your own way. Make it real so that it's lived out through your life. Make it part of you. Nothing stinks worse than a sermon that's not lived out. I mean, again, you want to frustrate your kids? Tell them, you ought to go to church. And you don't go to church. You ought not to drink on Friday night underage. And you drink. You all not, and you do. You shouldn't, and you do. Man, be God to your kids. Be God to your kids. This is huge. You'll get out there and you'll play catch with your kid, taking your knowledge of baseball and pour it into their lives. Take your knowledge of God and pour it into their lives. Why is this so important, Dwayne? Because we're one generation away. And your children are going to grow up. And the God, their relationship with God is going to be so much of your relationship with God. Just like they've got your nose, they've got your chin, they've got your eyes. To a large degree, they're going to have your God. And the God you live out is the God they'll carry into adulthood. He goes on and says this. Repeat them to your children, the words. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Everywhere they look, they see God. Now, now again, if you're not a Jesus follower, just ignore what I'm saying. You know, take a nap. But if you're a Jesus follower, this is God's word. This is God's word. And we are to so demonstrate God to our children. Yes, honor, respect. But teach them. Teach them about God. Now, 
The Bible says back in Luke chapter 2. When they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own house. The boy grew up. He became strong. You know what's interesting? He grew up physically. Isn't that, isn't that a pipe? Are you not amazed that your pastor has arms like... Never mind. Anyway, anyway, it's not... The Greek doesn't carry the idea of physical strength. It's spiritual strength. It is. It's spiritual strength. That's the context of the Greek. He, he grew up physically. Now remember, when did this happen? When they completed everything according to the law. When they chose to demonstrate God. The boy grew up. He became strong. He was filled with wisdom, intellect, and God's grace was upon him. He had spiritual discernment. This is huge. You will not be able to be with your children all the time. There's going to be some Friday nights that you'd love to be with them. There's going to be some times when they're in a, a, a mom and dad's, you know, a neighbor's house. You've got to plant in them spiritual discernment. You won't be there to be the cop. You won't be there to be the policeman. Sirs, when you want your daughter to make the right decisions on a date, you've got to raise her in a way where she's got spiritual discernment. That's what they did with Jesus. He grew up physically. He grew up spiritually. He grew up intellectually. And he had spiritual perspective. He, he knew the boundaries according to God's law because he had been taught God's law. You want your kid, and there's no, I'm not trying to say, well, boy, if I was teaching my kid the Bible, but I'm telling you, when you start teaching God to your kids and living it out before them, you raise the chances hugely of them making right decisions when you're not there. When you're not there. Have you not seen the stories? Kids hugely talented in sports, football, baseball. They go off to college, do something incredibly stupid, and throw away a life. I'm telling you what, it's time to invest. And what's really crazy is, did you see something there? And the first one, and I only took it in this order because that's the way Paul did in Colossians. But do you see it? In Luke 2, 39 through 40, it's mom and dad pouring into their life. And then in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, it's Jesus choosing to obey. Man, most of their personality, most of who they are is when they're young. The time to shape an oak tree is not when it's 14 inches around. The time to shape an oak tree when it's a twig and you can mold it and make it straight. Don't get frustrated when you don't pour God into your kid's life and when he's 16, he makes a wrong decision. The bent of the tree was laid a long time ago. Now is the is it too late then if he's 16? No. But you're going to pray a lot harder. You're going to pray a, hard, a lot harder. <laughs> Here's something worth the price of admission. Preach less, pray more. It's worth the price of admission. We want to preach. And there's a time for sermons. But man, pray for your kids. Pray for them that God will come into their lives and be real.
their lives to be real. So you see, this is bigger than like 20 words. Honor your mom and dad. Now God, I find out with the Ten Commandments, God's picture is a lot bigger than that. When he says honor, we're to teach and respect what we stand for and what we teach. And we've got to make sure we teach them the right things. And the fate of our nation, spiritually, is one generation away. And what we do today will impact what happens 10 years from today. Would you bow your heads right there, please? Now, I know if I was sitting out there, I'd be going, Dwayne, that wasn't very easy. No, I know it wasn't. And again, I just want to tell you, I messed up so much. I guess I'm preaching from experience. I guess I'm just preaching from experience. By God's grace, our children turned out wonderfully. They really did. But it was God's grace. Well, it was God's grace in Judy. (laughs) It was God's grace in Judy. But how about it? How about it? Are you ready today? Would you be willing today to say, Father, as a mom and as a dad, Father, I'm asking your help to teach my children honor and respect. And to help me to live it out before them. To be real and authentic. Help me to be the real deal. Students, I didn't mean to come down hard on you. I hope I wasn't. But are you willing today to be a Christ follower? See, following Jesus doesn't mean just when it's easy. It's when it's hard. If you made that decision, Will you now recommit to being that Christ follower? Children, obey your parents in the Lord because it's pleasing to Him. And guess what? The best thing you can do for your mom and dad is to pray for them. To pray for them. You kids didn't come with an owner's manual besides the Bible. We're learning a lot as we go. I'm learning as a granddaddy. We celebrated Faith's 15th birthday. I told him one of my favorite stories is I'm sitting in the office and get a phone call that says, Rebecca's in labor. I sat there. Val Hodges, Brent, Val Hodges said to me, don't you think you ought to go to the hospital? I didn't know what to do. I'd never been a granddad before. So I just sat there. So would you pray for your mom and dad? There's strength in this. God, thank you. Thank you for the ancient truth that we can bring into our lives today. God, I want to pray specifically today. I I want to be very specific. Father, I want to pray for the young parents that you sent our way. And, And they're just an incredible... So many of them I know because of Sunday school. God, I thank you for them. And I want to pray your wisdom in their lives. Oh, would you just... Speak into their hearts today your wisdom. I pray, God, that you will help them. Help them to be the mom, to be the dad that you desire them to be. Give them that wisdom. And you said, if any person lack wisdom, they're to ask and you'll give. So we're asking today for that wisdom. 
Give them the backbone they need it when they need to be courageous and strong. But give them that tender heart to be compassionate and loving when that's needed also. Help us not to frustrate our children or our grandchildren. Help us, Jesus, to be like you. And Lord, I kind of picked the students out today at age 12 because that's what the scriptures did. But there are some eight, nine-year-olds today who have a genuine relationship with you. Help them to obey. Help them understand you gave them a mom and dad because you love them. And, and you gave them a mom and dad to help them learn more about you and more about life. And God, even when it's not popular with the group and the kids at school make fun because you obey, Lord, help them to obey. And God, in closing, thanks for your word. Thanks for your word. It's forever. Help us to honor it today by believing it, obeying it. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.